It's the Grim Tidings Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Matheny. And I'm Philip Overby. And it's the first Grim panel of 2016, Philip. I always say at the beginning of the show, I'm excited about today's show. It's kind of my, my thing. I'm officially excited about today's show. I cannot lie. I swear. This is the first panel that we've had of 2016. We had one panel at the end of 2015. It was a metal and dark fiction panel, which was a lot of fun. And I'm really looking forward to future panels here on the Grim Tidings podcast. But this is the first one of 2016, and it's going to get really, really bloody. As we continue to expand and highlight other dark fiction genres, nothing gets much darker or bloodier than extreme horror, and our two panelists today represent a healthy swath of the extreme horror publishing scene. Today we'll talk about what sets extreme horror apart, what inspires truly terrifying tales, how horror infects other mediums, and so much more. It's going to be a discussion of horrific proportions, so grab a frosty mug of pig's blood, sit back, and enjoy this special edition of the Grim Tidings podcast, Grim Panel Extreme Horror. So it's kind of a panel format, so me and uh, the lovely Philip Overby will ho- act as moderators, and uh, we have uh, two panelists today. Uh, we're going to go through a healthy myriad of topics today, covering extreme horror and everything that encompasses that. We'll have a little Q&A session at the conclusion, and this is going to be an ex- uh, a pretty awesome conversation today. Philip, what do you think? Yeah, actually, horror was one of my early loves in life uh, before fantasy even so we've talked a lot about fantasy on this show but i'm pretty well versed in horror as well uh maybe not as much recently but i'm kind of getting back into it so i'm excited to slit some throats this morning (laughs) this beautiful morning it's going to be a podcast fruit roll up for your earlobes no doubt um so we'll go ahead and introduce our panelists and there's a a dog apparently will be joining us on the show today (laughs) yeah Um, yeah apologize for that uh... who let the dogs out Uh, so let's bring in the first panelist, um, and that is C.W. Lassart. Go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be part of this. I am a horror writer, uh, specifically known for extreme horror. I've been publishing since 2011, started with Dark Moon Books. Uh, when I'm not writing, I am the front of house manager for an Irish pub in the state of South Dakota, if that's not weird enough for you. I've always loved horror movies, books, you name it. There's really not much I don't love about it. Uh, mother of three, owner of a menagerie of rodents. I have so many rodents in my house, intentionally. And yeah, I'm just really happy to be here. Excellent, excellent. Well, we are uh, very grateful to have you on the show today. We had a little bit of a last-minute scramble to uh, find somebody uh, qualified in the genre, and you are no doubt qualified in Extreme Horror, and we are delighted to uh, have you as a part of the show today, uh, definitely. Uh, our next panelist is Mr. Travis Tarpley. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Travis. Hey, hello. Thanks for having me. Um, like you said, my name is Travis Tarpley, and uh, I am the co-owner of Sinister Grin Press. Um, have been a lifelong fan of, of horror, and um, in 2011, me and Shane McKenzie launched Sinister Grin and uh, started publishing it. Um, so yeah, big fan of it, obviously, and uh, love doing what I do. Uh, last nine and a half years, I was in a 911 call center, and I have just recently moved into a division of emergency management. So that would be my my 
they had a job. Excellent, man. Well, thank you for joining us uh, on the uh, panel today as well. So we have an extreme horror author and an extreme horror publisher who publishes a bunch of extreme horror authors. So no doubt you two are well-versed in the genre. So we are looking forward to uh, gleaning from your brilliance and expertise today to hopefully um, introduce our listeners to extreme horror for those who are not up to speed and for those who do enjoy extreme horror, um, getting to know a little bit more about uh, the genre and you fine folks and what you do. So we'll kick it off with an icebreaker question to kind of delve into your individual backgrounds to paint a little bit of a, uh, a picture for our listeners. If you could... Tell us what was the first foundational horror movie or book that legitimately scared the shite out of you and cemented your devotion within the horror genre. And we can start with uh, Travis this time. Alrighty. Uh, well, I mean, I'll I'll give you both. Um, as far as a movie, um, Night- Nightmare on Elm Street, the very first one, um, particularly the uh, scene with the the blood tornado on the bed <laughs> blood tornado that, as a child i don't know that that uh damaged me a little bit <laughs> uh, um and as far as a book that was uh much later in life uh books have never really scared me as much um you know you have a certain amount of control you're reading it it's in your mind so you know movies may be a little bit easier to scare you with but i can uh, i can tell you the first time i read dead sea by brian Keane, uh mm-hmm. that book messed with me on a on a psychological level i got so wrapped up into it this, this is back when i was working in 911 you know i'd be sitting there reading books in between calls or whatnot, and I'd be reading Dead Sea, and somebody would come by and be like, hey, Travis, it's your break. And I'd be like, fantastic, you know, grab my pack of cigarettes, head outside to go smoke and get halfway outside and be like, oh, shit, what if the zombie birds are outside? <laughs> Momentarily confuse reality with the book. Uh, I think, I don't know if it quite scared me enough, but it, it, it wrapped me so into the world of horror that uh, for a novel, I'd, I'd have to say Dead Sea. Excellent. So, yeah, Brian Keene, that, that'll be the first mention. I'm sure he'll his name will probably come up uh, once or twice during the conversation for sure. What about you, uh, Karen, as far as your background? What was the first book and or movie that scared the shite out of you and uh, cemented your uh, devotion to the horror genre and paved your path towards writing extreme horror? I was really uh, lucky. My folks, my mother's always loved horror movies. So from a young age, she's let me watch them and just, you know, close my eyes if there was boobies on the screen. (laughs) But I would say my dad probably started it uh, when I was younger. He's not much of a reader of fiction, but he always really, really liked Edgar Allan Poe. And when, when I was a little girl, five, six, seven years old, I really enjoyed, we'd have time together. He would read from his collected works of Edgar Allan Poe, and I specifically remember him reading Fall of the House of Usher. And I didn't understand it completely because obviously the language was way over my head. I don't know if it scared me, but I just, it intrigued me. It it really spoke to me inside. And as far as movies go, I would have to say the one that scared me first was probably Pet Cemetery. Just the whole, I, I just remember laying in bed and convincing myself, we don't live near a McMack burial ground, so <laughs> it's okay. It's it's not going to happen here because there's no Micmac Indians around here, but there's a lot of Sioux Indians and a lot of burial grounds. You know what I mean? I just <laughs> it scared me to death as a kid. Excellent. So uh, Stephen King also foundational as well. So that's a good perspective into where you guys started. No doubt, Nightmare on Elm Street scared the crap out of me as well. Uh, 
as a child. So that's that's interesting. Philip, well, what about you with Nightmare on Elm Street? Did that uh, grab you when you were a youth? Uh, I was kind of a squeamish kid, actually, when I was <laughs> really young. Um, I had this whole fascination, though, with uh, I would go into a... Uh, rental shop and I would flip over the back of the VHS and they would always have some kind of scene from a horror movie on the back. And I used to be fascinated with doing that. And I do remember, I'm not sure which Nightmare on Elm Street it was, but there was one where Freddy becomes like this big worm or something. And he's like swallowing this girl. Whole. <laughs> and uh, I remember being really grossed out and and horrified, but also intrigued by this. What, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but yeah, I, I could, when I was a kid, I couldn't watch, I couldn't watch anything. I remember the first, one of my first memories even was the stand. Uh, there's a scene where, um, Randall flag is standing in the corn. Mother Abigail's on the porch. She's playing her guitar and, uh, his eyes sort of glow red or something. And, uh, he makes her hand start bleeding and all this kind of shit. And I just remember like crying and being like really wimpy. <laughs> like, it's scary. I think like growing up in the South, like anything that was devil related or satanic scared me more than like than like uh, you know monsters or anything because I guess that's more ingrained right. in the culture. Comes with the territory. Yeah. So yeah, that was definitely the first like scary thing for me was seeing a shadowy figure standing in a cornfield. I mean, that's fucking creepy. The one that significantly scared the crap out of me as a child and probably traumatized me for a good six months afterwards was uh, Return of the Living Dead from 1985. Oh, yes. Utterly horrific and disturbing. <laughs> and t to this day, though, it, it still kind of bugs... It still troubles me slightly but i love the movie um as a, as a grown-up but seeing that as a kid i swear to god for like the next week i was scared to death of zombies um but not not the best movie to see at, at, at a young age but uh, nonetheless formational in my path of, of love for horror uh, as well isn't that the funny one though it, it as, wasn't funny when I was a kid. <laughs> no, that one got me too. I remember watching it, and at the beginning of the movie, it says, based on true events. Yeah. And I was terrified for years. <laughs> for years, I was terrified of that movie. And then I watched it as an adult, and I'm like, it's not even that good. Right. But no, I'm right there with you. My sister used to shamble after me like Tarman, oh, you know? God. Oh, my God. She braids. Oh, Jesus. I forgot. I blocked that out. That one got me. Can I change my answer? <laughs> Bit of PTSD. Yeah. Following that one. So. I love that scene where you got where the zombie goes. Uh, what is he? He says, "Send more paramedics or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Let's talk about uh, what exactly sets uh, extreme horror from maybe horror itself. Maybe in your opinion, talk about maybe what aspects of your writing or, or what you publish um, set it apart as extreme horror versus, say, uh, traditional horror or grimdark or thrillers. What aspects makes extreme horror stand out as a subgenre? And uh, Karen, we can start with you. Okay, um, I've actually done a couple panels on this subject. For me, extreme horror is just... It's more of everything. You know, you have your basic horror that can be anything from gothic, very soft, very subtle horror. And then you get to the extreme end, there's just generally going to be more sex, more visceral. It doesn't even have to be more gore. Just we go there. You know, it's a no holds barred. It's we go there. You know, it's a lot of mm -hmm. horror shows you and then looks away. And extreme horror never looks away. It just it shows you all of it, if that makes sense. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. What about you, Travis? What do you think? Uh, you know, um, it's kind of hard for me to follow up uh, Karen on that because she kind of described it perfectly. It's 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 not so much the blood and guts and stuff, which which they, it does show you instead of cutting away and kind of alluding to the oh, you hear the gunshot. Somebody just got their you know brains blown out. You know, it's showing you everything that's going on. But it's also just the content it's dealing with. It's going there where other people or other publishers or editors might think, oh, you know, that particular scene, that that is a little too much, you know. And uh, so traditionally, a lot of times you'll see that kind of stuff get cut out of the process or edited out of uh, the manuscript. Uh, the extreme, you're not going to see that. It's going to be in your face. It's going to be dealing with extreme content that, you know, you may not even feel comfortable reading, <laughs> even though it's fiction. You know, it, it brings a certain level of discomfort to the reader. I don't know if this classifies, but I remember reading a lot of Jack Ketchum and uh, The Girl Next Door was probably one of the most extreme horror novels I ever read. Absolutely. And it's, ba it's based on true events, so that made it even more horrifying. Do you find that realism tends to tie more into extreme horror, or do you have fantastical or supernatural elements tied into it as well? Um, I think you're going to find a lot more human monsters in extreme horror. I, you'll you'll find some fantastical, you'll find some supernatural, but I, I do think as a avid reader of extreme horror, there is a lot more human monster to factor in. It's because there's nothing more horrific than the stuff that we do to each other. You're going to see a lot more cannibalism. You're going to see a lot more abuse. Just there's some there's a disconnect when we throw a monster at you and it's Dracula or it's the Wolfman. There's a disconnect there because there's a safety net. Dracula and the Wolfman don't exist. But if I throw a child killer at you, you know that net's gone because they exist and and they're horrible. And that therein lies the discomfort of the darkness of the human soul and what we really do to each other. So yeah, absolutely. I think. There's a lot more human aspect to it. You agree with that, Travis? Oh, absolutely. You guys got to stop asking Karen these questions first. <laughs> <laughs> um, everything she said times ten. I mean, yeah, no, exactly. It's it's definitely much more uh, human driven um, because the fact is, you know, there is real, you know, child molesters and serial killers and all these terrible evil things. You know, they are real, but. You know, vampires, werewolves, zombies, yeah, they're awesome, they're cool, and if they really did exist, they would make you, you know, shit your pants, sure, <laughs> but they're not, so, you know, you throw in these, you know, sadistic people monsters, and, you know, I think it affects the reader on a more of a subconscious level, because deep down they realize that person on the bus next to them could be this person in this terrible novel, you know, because those people do exist. So, absolutely, I, I definitely think uh, there is more of a human aspect in the extreme horror. Do either of you ever find that there's a, a huge crossover between readers of traditional horror and extreme horror? And what's the line that stands in between the two? I mean, are there some people who will read just horror but uh, won't touch extreme horror? Or is there usually, if one likes the, the one, uh, will they like the other as well? Uh, what do you think, Travis? Uh, I think uh, yes and no. <laughs> um, 
I think yes-ish. extreme horror uh, lovers will find uh, enjoyment out of the regular horror. Um, but I do know there are regular horror fans that can't do the extreme. It kind of goes both ways. If you like the extreme, then I think you're more apt to like just the regular garden variety horror. But, um, you know, it doesn't blend uh, as equally going the other direction. You know, the, the garden variety horror fans, you know, three out of five may like the extreme or whatever. But it's certainly going to be less than going back to the garden variety horror. Karen, what do you think? I'm with Trav on this one. Yeah, uh, I think genre fiction readers in general are voracious they read a lot and they're always looking for something to read but i have to second what he said people who are into a more quiet horror uh even stephen king is i consider him quiet compared to some of the extreme stuff that not necessarily going to like the extreme but if you like extreme it seems like you like all of it because it's 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 on a scale you're all the way at that end you'll read all the way back but if you're in the middle of that scale you might not enjoy going further down the rabbit hole and you know i know a lot of mainstream you know stephen king fans and stuff out of my friends that read (laughs) have read my work and they're like um why you know why did you do that (laughs) (laughs) that's weird that that made me feel icky you know and i'm like yay that's what i wanted to do and they're like why (laughs) so yeah trav nailed that one it's it's one way and and the other way because if you like quiet horror you're probably not going to enjoy extreme but if you like extreme you probably enjoy the quiet stuff too i think it's interesting because we're in a similar boat as far as we do a grim dark focused podcast which focuses more on dark fantasy a lot of people that read kind of more traditional epic fantasy may not be into grimdark as much because it's more extreme there's more violence and there's more deeper level grossness of life realism in some ways we're in a similar boat in the fantasy realm and a lot of people said uh they didn't know what grimdark was they knew they liked the darker edge fantasy but they couldn't find the author's that they wanted to find because it's a new kind of a newer thing. They were looking for as many authors as they could find. So for people who are fans of horror, who are some of the big extreme horror authors you would introduce to someone that would want to jump into that new subgenre? Jeff Gonzalez. Uh, he has uh, written the most extreme book I've ever read. Um, Survivor. I literally had to put that book down four or five times. Uh, wow. My soul felt black just reading that book. <laughs> I mean, it's That's hardcore. <laughs> um, but then, you know, uh, Shane McKenzie has some great stuff out there. Um, Jeff Burke from Dead Eye Press, he's written some some pretty uh, good stuff. Although he would be, I would say his stuff's more bizarro in nature. Wrath James White, Monaco O'Rourke, um, all fantastic extreme authors. And Karen, who's on your list of uh, foundational people to to read when getting introduced to extreme horror? This one's always a little bit harder. I would have to say there's obviously Ketchum. He's one of the first, I think. Brian Keene really, really gets into the extreme edge in a lot of his fiction. Keelan Patrick Burke wrote Kin. And I not all of Keelan's stuff's extreme, but that one definitely was. So I'd, I'd give you those. For sure. I yeah. definitely enjoy their works. Ketchum and, and Keen are, are pretty much the cream of the crop as far as extreme goes, in my opinion. And I think uh, Karen 
obviously agrees. Um, but yeah, those. Oh yeah. I, I feel kind of bad not having mentioned them. <laughs> <laughs> to me, they were just oh, everybody knows them. That's that's you know the standard for extreme horror. I needed yeah. an answer too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I left them for you. <laughs> Jack Ketchum was somebody I read before I went to a horror convention and uh, I went to Horror Find in Baltimore and uh, I bought his short story collection and uh, he has a story in there called The Box and uh, that story made me made me want to die after I read it. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> fucking hell. It was depressing. It wasn't even like gory or anything. It's just, it was, it's just very, he, he deals with subject matter that just hits you in your soul kind of. And it's yeah, very I, dark. He's one of the darkest authors I've ever read. So if people are interested in dark fiction, I, you know, I can put my grim tidings stamp of approval on him as well. This is for uh, either Travis or Karen. What is it about Ketchum and Keen, do you think, that uh, kind of sets them as the standard setters within extreme horror? What aspects of their writing do you think um, are they clued into that makes them kind of the best so far? You know, it's it's hard to answer that question. I think ultimately it's the storytelling. Not only are they extreme stories, it's it's the way they go about setting the story. You know, like I see, uh, like I said earlier, um, Dead Sea from Brian Keene, it's just a zombie novel, but it is written so well and the story is so enjoyable that, you know, you literally get transported into the book and confuse reality in the book and go outside to smoke a cigarette and momentarily start thinking about zombie squirrels and zombie birds and stuff. (laughs) You know, I I think it's, it's the storytelling, um, they just have a way of taking these, you know, terrible people and monsters and situations and making them an enjoyable story. So, yeah, let's let's touch on storytelling uh, for a moment then. Since, Travis, you're a publisher and then, uh, Karen, you're a writer, these will be, this will be a little bit more targeted specific question. But we'll start with you, Karen, and then we'll go to you, Travis. For Karen, as an author, kind of give us uh, an idea of what inspires your storytelling in extreme horror. What are the things in your background or in your life today that you incorporate and bring into your your storytelling? I think the first and foremost, what's important is reading and watching the movies. So I I almost exclusively read horror because that's what I enjoy. And I mostly watch horror movies because that's what I enjoy. And that, that keeps it dark. But then it goes on to the daydreaming. All writers are daydreamers. We're constantly in our own heads. And a lot of my stuff just comes from the most asinine daily (laughs) shit, you know. I'm sitting at the gas station pumping gas, and I see a little girl walking a dog, and I think, what if? And, you know, that's the basis of any story, novel, anything always begins with what if. But I think it's truer to horror than anything else, you know. Little girl walking a dog. What if the dog's not really a dog? You know, what if it's not? What if the little girl's not really a little girl? You know, I just, I see the strangest things, just people going about their daily lives and all of a sudden it'll hit me. What if that guy that just rang me up for my gas and smiling so sweetly, what if he just killed his wife this morning? You know, because that that shit happens, you know? And that's, I have to say the seeds just come from life mainly. I wrote a story about a hole in the ground that... (laughs) <laughs> that was actually what got me my collection, and it uh, emits pheromones that attract animals and stuff. And the main character ends up having sex with the hole in the ground. But anyways, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the way that story started, 
and the way it starts in the story is he finds a little pile of guts in the grass. He's just out doing his thing. He finds guts in the grass. Well, one day in the summertime, I'm walking in my backyard and I find this little pile of intestines in my backyard. Just the intestines. Nothing else, no blood, no bits, no pieces, just the guts. And, it, you know, that in and of itself is just bizarre. But, you know, and from there came the story, what if something didn't drop the guts? What if the guts came from the ground? You know what I mean? And and mm. we're off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. What if? That's where does my ideas come from? What if? And then for Travis, maybe we can... Uh target the question a little more specifically for you as a publisher, um, since you are with Sinister Grin Press, what sort of aspects or qualities do you look for in a story that uh, that you know when you read it, when it comes to you in an open submission or through an agent in submission, you, you read it and you're like, this is something that needs to be a part of Sinister Grin Press. What are those qualities that you look for uh, in, your, in the submissions that you get across your desk? Well, um, it could be a lot of different things, actually. You know, we've got three partners. Um, we all have our own say on stuff. Uh, typically, if, if one of us like it out of the three of us, then, you know, we'll give it a look and see um, if it has potential. Ultimately, you know, is the story there? Um, is the idea there? Is it an original idea? Yes or no? If it's not, well, that's fine. You know, zombies isn't exactly original, but you can still write a really good zombie novel. Um, so it's really hard to say as on the publisher side. It, it, there's a lot that goes into it. Ultimately, I think it's, is the idea solid and is the writing solid? Do the sentences and paragraphs flow smoothly does it make sense or is it disjointed and kind of chaotic and you know is the author thinking about too many things at once without fully developing one idea or explaining one idea before moving on to the next typically what we do is uh, when we do submissions is you know send us a synopsis in the first 15 pages um, and if the synopsis is really good then we'll read the 15 pages if we like that. And, you know, we'll ask for the full manuscript and give that a read. But as far as what we look for, I mean, I, my best answer would be we know it when we see it. Have you ever gotten, Travis, uh, a submission across your desk that was written fantastically but was too extreme for you to publish? Uh, No, no. I've nope. not ever had that issue. And... um you know, J.F. Gonzalez, his survivor is, is like, like I said, the most extreme thing I've ever read. And we're about to um, put out the uh, two prequels to Survivor. So uh, those are, <laughs> they're, they're just as extreme as Survivor, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be sending those along to the public here in a couple months, hopefully. Give us, if you can, a non-spoiler synopsis of Survivor. A husband and his wife involved in a situation where his wife gets picked up by these uh, <laughs> terrible, terrible people who uh, like to make snuff films. Oh. Mm. And uh, it, it follows what the wife will try and do to not get snuffed. And, uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to go back to having sex with a hole. Can we go back to that? <laughs> that was kind of glossed over a little bit. Um, <laughs> one element I find with, with horror that, that has always interested me, me is the, the humor aspect of it. Um, I mean, for me, having sex with a hole is pretty funny. How important do you think in extreme horror, which obviously deals with very heavy material, when you're talking about the human monster, so to speak, how big a role does humor play in, in extreme horror? Is it, is it pretty prevalent or is it kind of more low-key? 
depends on the writer. I like to use humor in my extreme horror because I like to soften the bleak once in a while. It's, you know, if you're just going hardcore all the time, you get used to it. You just get used to that hardcore and then you need more hardcore. But if you pull back and give a little humor and then you go back, then, you know, the punch is back. It, it renews the punch and it, it keeps the reader engaged and just... You know, I don't want to destroy their lives. I <laughs> want them to enjoy it, but I don't want to numb them either to the horror. So I think humor offsets the horror enough just to keep keep the punches rolling. I agree completely. And it, it is definitely up to the author. You'll find a lot of the extreme horror that doesn't have too much humor in it. Um, but you'll find a lot that does. And um, I think... Uh, Speaking as a uh, just a, a horror fan and not so much a publisher, um, because we we'll, we publish both you know humorous horror and and extreme terrible horror. <laughs> um, but as a as a personal fan and a reader of horror, I like the humor for exactly uh, the reasons Karen said. It gives you a break from just the hardcore, and it also serves as. Um, you know, that different emotion to kind of reset your emotional palette, if you will. And that way, you know, that punches back the next scary scene or situation that happens instead of, you know, you get a reader in a in a state of uh, heightened senses or, you know, you just scared them. So they're, you know, adrenaline's pumping or they're alert or what have you. But you throw in a little humorous situation there, it brings them back down and, 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 takes their mind off of the last scare and now you know suddenly oh yeah that was funny i'm laughing to myself oh my god that was so scary you know the next thing that happens it, it does serve as a good uh, nice little break some of my favorite movies have lots of funny elements to them like uh, evil dead 2 was a, a, <laughs> a big one for me um so many horrible things happen in that movie but it, the way it's approached is just hilarious and then of course we talked about nightmare on elm street before which started off pretty serious i think the first one was very serious and then mm -hmm. freddie became more of this kind of evil jokester as the as the uh, series went on and had a lot of punny kind of humor and uh i think some of my favorite horror stories and uh movies have a lot of kind of humorous stuff in it and i think that's become it's you know even its own genre like the comedy horror like Shaun of the dead and things like that black comedies and um a lot of zombie comedy seems to be pretty popular i think uh the walking dead sort of took back zombie to a serious realm because i mean there were just so many like silly zombie movies and then i think walking dead made it like a scary serious thing again one thing i want to ask about is um horror being an innovative genre it seems a lot of times horror is dealt with in the movie medium anyway there are lots and lots of remakes there's some innovative stuff happening but it always seems to be like with indie filmmakers i've heard it follows is really good i haven't seen that yet but the innovation is happening in the indie realm and not so much in the mainstream realm oh, what do you think is people who are involved in uh, the horror genre, do you see a lot of innovation uh, nowadays, or do you think readers and, and fans of horror are more interested in just kind of seeing the same kind of things they've seen before, but just slight, told slightly differently? Uh, what do you think uh, about that, uh, Travis? Oh, well, I, kind of a mix, I suppose. Um, you'll definitely have your traditionalists that uh, you know think horror is 
vampires, werewolves, zombies, and you know your your ghost type supernatural stuff, and that that's it. That's all horror is meant to be, which I obviously don't agree with at all. But you know, as far as the innovation, yeah, I, I can see that happening on the small press side. Um, a lot of our stories are, are pretty interesting and, and new. Some of them are, are kind of your your typical stories. It kind of goes both ways. I think the innovation is definitely on the small press author side. The big big movie houses and what have you, you know, Warner Brothers and, and, and all them, Lionsgate. You know, for them, they're spending so much money and it's such a marketing thing that, you know, they kind of have to go with what they know works you know what i mean um just because of the way the demographics are and then and unfortunately as far as genre or genre sizes horror is kind of one of the smaller genres in movies maybe less so uh definitely in the publishing world uh, it's one of the smaller and so you know i'd like to see the innovation happen at the big end and we might start seeing some more of that i feel like some things, you know, when Saul first came out, when Hostel first came out, they were pretty innovative. But unfortunately, because of, you know, big industry giants, that they saw that as, oh, hey, look, we, we got a meal ticket here. So we're just going to run it into the ground and stop innovating until we've bled this horse dry. I would say for the most part, you know, I'd say it's about an 80-20 split. 80% innovation, uh, 20% kind of sticking with the classics. Um, and just kind of maybe doing a, a different twist on a classic. I would I would say a good eighty percent of our submissions, it's somebody trying to do something that hasn't been done. Do they typically succeed at uh, doing something that hasn't been done? I mean, that's the danger of doing that. Is that well, ex- exactly. That is a danger for it. And I would say that's probably another eighty twenty split. Eighty percent. No, no, they mm. didn't. They didn't do what they set out to do. But I'll tell you, those twenty percent that do succeed in doing something new those are the books where you know me and both my partners all three of us are like oh shit this is a good book this is going to be fantastic so you know it's one of those risk reward situations do you want to take the risk of you know breaking this new ground and if you do take the risk and it pays off well the reward's going to be pretty good karen do do you do you kind of hope to see uh sex in a whole horror horror kind of take off (laughs) (laughs) you're leading the way you're leading the way i don't know about that um i will say though as a huge fan of hbo and stars original series i'm seeing a lot more dicks on tv a lot um if if i could answer your previous question i actually have two answers as far as writing goes with the uh you know going back to the purest horror and doing original things I am the head verifier for the Bram Stoker Awards. So my job is to determine from the thousands of works offered up whether or not they qualify, you know. And it's it's everything silly from publication date and stuff. But our first basic criteria is, is it horror? And in the writing world, it's we're very inclusive. We really, really, if, if it's got any darkness, it doesn't need supernatural. It doesn't need, you know, there's no room for purists anymore because horrors, it's huge. You know, it's small, but it's huge. And anything can be horror. So we're very, very inclusive. If, if it even smells a little like horror, we're going to include them. As far as movies go, though, I'm going to date myself here. I, uh, <laughs> I'm old enough, you know, to have really enjoyed the 80s heyday of horror. You know, I could spit and hit 40 at this point. And something I've noticed as far as new and different, uh, 
the eighties was very dedicated to camp. It was very campy horror, just a lot of fun. Horror was a lot of fun. I'm not seeing that as much anymore. It seems like horror in the movies is just getting darker and darker. And I'm not complaining. I absolutely enjoy it. But I think it is evolving. I think we are breaking new ground. And we have our saws and our hostels and our so-called torture porn and stuff. I think it's changing. But that's a good thing. And I hope the movies will become as inclusive as we are in the writing world. And if they want to make a movie of someone fucking a hole in the ground, I have material (laughs) for them. So do you see the literary end of horror and the film industry end of horror? Are they are they on different wavelengths or do you see kind of the same as a, uh, as a fan of horror? Do you see them kind of going the same direction or are they kind of a little bit different? I think they're really independent creatures. Um, on the one hand, yeah, I, I think in writing and in movies, everything's getting darker. You know, mm. it's you, you always need to up the ante. But as far as the making of the movies, you know, if you, if you want to see good, what's being written today, that's good. You want to see it in a movie, you, you have to go with the, the independent film festivals because, as always, Hollywood's only concerned with the big blockbusters and remaking everything. And, and if you'll notice, most of the remakes are very dark. You know, you, the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, I had to take a shower. You know, they took what was... <laughs> A dark but funny character, you know, this child killer, and they made him a child molester. And there was, there's no respite to him. There there was no humor. And I, I don't know, it made me feel dirty, which isn't a bad thing. But yeah, I definitely think both are getting darker. Unfortunately, I think the really good stuff being written nowadays is underrepresented in movies. Would you say there are any movies available on a huge commercial level right now that uh, would reflect extreme horror in in a good light are there any movies out there that kind of come to mind as to yeah that's an extreme horror movie that most people would should probably check out no (laughs) not not offhand no you know horror's always been the redheaded stepchild of everything so uh i haven't seen a lot of the new ones i haven't seen it follows i haven't seen a lot of the newer ones yet i'm waiting for netflix you know (laughs) travis what about you i haven't seen any uh, pretty good ones recently either but um I would say um, The Hills Have Eyes. Um, mm-hmm. I think they did two of them, although I haven't seen the second one. The first one, though, that one was a really good horror movie, in my opinion. Oh, and that um, was extreme, too. It was, exactly. It was definitely an extreme horror movie. And I, I quite enjoyed that one. Uh, that was the last too. one I've seen. I've been so extremely busy lately. My uh, my time for pleasure movies and stuff is just not there right now. But um, I have faith that maybe the industry might start broadening uh things up a bit and, and kind of maybe including a little bit more campy stuff but continuing the trend of uh going with the dark i think the darker stuff is definitely uh reaching the adult uh, fans more so but um i don't know i have a feeling being being the big guys and, and doing what they do and understanding marketing you know the way they do you know i think we'll still see some of the the camp come out because that's that's more you know child type horror it's the demographics exactly you know they want to keep their their fan base you know building and and you know 10 years from now if they don't have current children horror fans you know they're less likely to have adult horror fans 10 years from now so i think it's it'll probably be a big mix of both on that well i can say for sure that it's not not a bloody movie uh, but i just watched the visit the other day and I highly recommend everybody to see that. It's M. Night Shyamalan. 
I know he's disappointed some people as of late, <laughs> but that is a good fucking movie, I think. I highly recommend it. It's got a good twist, and it's, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. It's creepy creep creeperton. <laughs> creep, creep, I, creepy shit. Check it out, then. I like M. Night. Uh, I, he has disappointed people recently, but the whole thing about him is he is innovative, and he's not afraid to take a risk, and sometimes they flop. So yeah, I will yeah, check that out, too. I, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's what I love about him, in a way, is that he does always try something different, and it doesn't always succeed, but... This one succeeds, I think. So another huge medium for horror has been uh, video games. Lots of YouTubers uh, find themselves playing horror games like Slenderman, Insomnia, Five Nights at Freddy's, Dark Souls. And uh, we're actually going to have the uh, creators of Darkest Dungeon uh, on the show uh, uh, coming up, which is an extremely fun gothic dungeon crawler um, that folks should check out. Um, But let's hit on horror gaming here for a moment. Uh, For the both of you, what appeal do you think uh, watching other people get scared as fans of horror? And if you are into games, either one of you, what are some of your all-time favorite horror-related games? We can go with you for uh, Karen on this one. All right. Um, I'm not a gamer. I live in a house full of gamers, and I am not a gamer. This is really one that I should go dig up my children out of bed for. My children (laughs) watch that shit 24 hours a day. (laughs) They are consistently watching PewDiePie and Mm, Markiplier, and that's... These are just absolute names in my house. And they watch it. There is a huge, huge falling for it. I don't know. Um, I'm going to have to defer to Trav unless you want me to dig my 15-year-old out of bed. Um, it, it is huge. You're absolutely right. It's huge. They love it. They can't get enough of it. Not a video game player. I think it's a big thing for younger people. I think that's kind of a gateway nowadays for maybe for books or movies is video games. It seems to be a big gateway. I think you're definitely hitting it on the head there with the gateway, and um, you know I'm I'm only slightly younger than Karen, but horror games to me, I mean, what? <laughs> Growing up as a kid, you know, we we didn't have any type of horror video games. I, I I've never really played a horror video game. Um, I'm a huge gamer, but you know, a, a horror video game. The only one I could say I've really played is um, Call of Duty Black Ops or any of the Call of Duties and playing the zombie mode. <laughs> yeah, you know that's that's you know it's got its own fun, um, and it is the easy enough i suppose to get scared when you know you're in a dark room shooting at zombies and suddenly one's screaming right behind you and you you actually get scared playing a video game so i mean it's it's fun um but i can't really say what the the huge appeal is for it i think it really is one of the more modern uh phenomenons of of just modern technology and and i guess what it is to be a kid these days but um yeah, I've 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 always been fascinated by the horror video games, um, but yeah, I've, been, I've never really played them. I've been playing a game while I've been visiting my brother called Until Dawn, and it's essentially a uh, interactive horror movie. There's not a whole lot of gameplay involved with it, but it, the the funny thing about it is the PlayStation Four has a camera capture, so anytime there's a jump scare, it captures your reaction to it. Fantastic. <laughs> and it's funny because I'm I, I'm so like desynthesized to everything like anytime the camera captures me i'm just sitting there like blank faced <laughs> like i'm supposed to be i'm supposed to be screaming ah! but i'm just sitting there like okay was that supposed was that supposed to scare me the last but, thing i want is 15 pictures of myself pissing my pants <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think i think it is a generational thing in some ways um 
uh, watching people get scared seems to be a, a, a big appeal for a lot of young or younger people. And uh, well, um, I think maybe watching people get scared has always been a person's almost favorite pastime. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. just now, now with the modern age, that you know, being able to record everything and throw it on the internet immediately, and everybody can see it. Um, I mean, sure, as a kid, everybody loved running around scaring their mom and dad, getting that look on their face, like, oh my god, I just you know pissed myself or shit myself, and <laughs> yeah, you know, so everybody loves seeing somebody else get scared. <laughs> I think it's a sign of our increasingly voyeuristic society that yes. you know kids are into this. I. I see the appeal. I don't, like I said, I don't play the games, but I can see the appeal. Horror movies are scary. I think it'd be way scarier if you're controlling the character because you've got something more invested in it. I, I think they would almost be too scary for me, but also I'm not very good with those controllers, so <laughs> I just die right away. The trailer for the uh, Doom reboot just came out, and it is a bloody-ass trailer, which concludes with a horned goat creature stomping on you <laughs> and ripping you in half, and you see your legs and intestines ripped out from underneath of you, and then you die. Nice. Um, so, no doubt, video games today are probably the most graphic representation of the horror medium compared to movies. I mean, movies can get awfully bloody, but... With a video game, you're basically covered in blood, shit, and carnage for hours and hours on end. So it almost seems like video games might be a gateway drug to extreme horror folks in the future, optimistically. I can see it. Definitely, yeah. I think it's possible. This might be a weird question, um, but I'm going to go for it because I'm an innovator. (laughs) I'm I'm a fucking innovator. Has anything been so scary that it it has actually made you piss yourself or make you vomit or 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 expel some some kind of <laughs> fluid from your body? I don't think that's ever happened to me, but I'm just Well, curious. I'm a mother of 3. So, <laughs> if someone sneezes too loud next to me, I on occasion piss myself, but movies no. No. No, okay. Yeah, no, I um I can't say I've ever done anything like that, although I will admit uh being in a recliner one day and my roommate scaring uh, a fart out of me (laughs) (laughs) it was just totally just there you go yeah that just happened so so maybe if i had more fiber in me that day maybe i would (laughs) but uh yeah no (laughs) well there you go there's my there's my innovative (laughs) journalism there Excellent, excellent. Well, I think that c- kind of concludes the main body of the uh, the subjects that we wanted to touch on during our, our time together. So we can have a brief Q&A session here and ask a few follow-up questions from the both of you, and then uh, we'll get your information at the conclusion, and we will wrap this grim panel extreme horror up. Um, let's talk about Sinister Grin just for a minute, uh, Travis. Sure. Are you currently taking submissions? If not, how do people submit things to you? Give us an idea about uh, people who want to who who say, "I write extreme horror. I want to get involved in the industry." Maybe tell us if you're taking submissions or how somebody would go about that. Well, um, no. <laughs> currently, we're not <laughs> open for submissions. So I will say, if you shoot us an email at uh, sinistergrinpress at gmail dot com, um, saying, "Hey, we've got an idea. Can we?" pitch it we'll more than likely say yeah even though we're not officially open for submissions right now but you know you send us a, a synopsis and and we really like it then yeah we'll, we'll we'll still take it so i would just say reach out to us and shoot us an email and let us know hey look we've got this manuscript um 
do you care to read it? And um, yeah, we'll probably take it. Submissions, though, we open up twice a year for a month. Typically, that is in December and June. Otherwise, throughout the year, we're occasionally reaching out to authors asking if they have anything or getting the you know, the random little email saying, hey, I've, I've got this pitch idea. Of course, that being said, you know, don't email us with 10 pitch ideas. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got an idea and you've written something, then then yeah, go ahead and, and reach out to us. We'll, we'll take a look at it. And then I've got another question for, for both of you. Since we are a, a, a grim, dark, dark fiction podcast, are there any horror or extreme horror podcasts that are out there that either one of you would recommend that you're aware of that uh, folks might be able to check out as well? Karen or Travis? Uh, the Brian Keene podcast is fantastic. If you have not uh, been listening to that, <laughs> I would uh, I would definitely. He uh, he has a nice little panel, and um, they're they're all extreme authors or um, you know others in the industry. Um, but yeah, I would definitely check out Brian Keene's podcast. Uh, yeah, that's the horror the horror show with Brian. The Keen. horror Karen? show with Brian Keene. Yeah. I'm not super familiar with a lot of podcasts. The only one I have a lot of experience with is the Roundtable podcast. It's not specifically horror, although. We did do an entire show that didn't record, and that was pretty horrific. Uh, <laughs> I, I recommend it for writers, you know, oh, just writers in general. But as far as horror ones, he, Brian Keynes is good. That's that's a good one. Okay. I have a question for Karen. Uh, you said you're a big fan of the 80s horror scene, and uh, we were talking about remakes a little bit. I know remakes are one of those things that most people hate, but is there any movie you saw perhaps in the 80s that you thought could do with a modern remake? Maybe it was kind of shoddily made and you thought it was a good concept or a good uh, story, but just uh, the technology or the limitations of the time didn't make it as good as it could have been. Is there anything you can think of? Huh. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I'm kind of looking forward to the Pet Cemetery reboot. Just because I know they're going to go with a different angle. They're going to go more with uh, less with the campy supernatural and more with the agonizing decisions that Lewis has to make. Um, they're also remaking Tales from the Crypt. And oh. I was a huge fan. So long as they have the actual Crypt Keeper, I'm going to be as happy as can be. I don't hate remakes. I enjoy giving them another chance. Uh, Fright Night, I really enjoyed that reboot. I really enjoy the original. I'm not one of those people who gets pissed off at remakes. I'm really not. I en I like to enjoy it as a separate movie from the original and see the new reimaginings. The only one that really pissed me off was Halloween. Rob And I love Rob Zombie. Mm. But uh, Michael Myers is supposed to be mysterious. He's not supposed to have this big backstory that explains why he's a monster. And he yeah. kind of ruined it for me. Uh. Tales from the Crypt is kind of close to my heart in a way because uh, my mom still denies this to this day. <laughs> she, she probably won't be happy with me telling the story uh, on a podcast. When I was a kid, sometimes, you know, when it was time to go to bed, she would do the Crypt Keeper voice and she would go, <laughs> she would go, Phil, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> and I, it would scare the shit out of me. And I, I would crawl under the bed and I would just start crying. I, like I said, I was a squeamish, wimpy kid. So. <laughs> Anything scare me, and I, I like Tales for the Crypt is huge for me. Like I love that. That's one of the uh, perfect blends of sort of humor and horror that 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 I really enjoy. So the fact they're remaking that, I'm pretty pretty stoked about that. I'd love to see some type of uh, Puppet Master remake, or maybe a Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys remake. Um, oh yeah, 
those <laughs> those had great potential, but of course, you know what it was back then. You know, looking at it, it, it doesn't age well. None of those movies <laughs> aged well at all. <laughs> um, so I think if they, if they used modern technology, I think they could make a pretty badass puppet master. Since we are uh, on the eve, this is the eve of the uh, return of Walking Dead Season 6. The mid-season hold is now over, and we're returning back to uh, the zombie apocalypse tomorrow. And by the time this episode's air, we'll be a couple, at least one episode in into the, the return of the series. Are either of you fans of the show, Karen or Travis? Absolutely. I'm a binger, so we buy seasons long after they've been put out. So I'm a few seasons behind. But yeah, I've enjoyed it. And as far as The Walking Dead goes, do you guys prefer zombies Walking Dead style, or are you more of the Romero school of, of zombies? Uh, I'd go Walking Dead. You know, when Romero remade all his movies and made the fast zombies, that's just, uh, come on, man, that's too much. Zombie movies are one of the few types of horror movies that actually scare me. Yeah, I, the, I think they kind of jump the shark with the fast zombies the whole idea of zombies and and part of the terror behind it is how easy it spreads and yeah they're slow and yeah you think you can get away but then when you get surrounded you know there's there's kind of a subconscious terror there because you you kind of think oh yeah i could survive that um fast zombies that's just cheating i mean that's not fair nobody's gonna i agree it's that. cheating yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean they're running around, or, or the intelligent fast zombies, you know, using weapons and opening doors and stuff. Ah, come on, that's that's, that's just the end cheap. of the world. Just blow up the world, you know. Just <laughs> I just came up with an idea for a children's book. <laughs> uh, it's called The Slowest Zombie, and it's about a really, really <laughs> slow zombie, and all the other zombies are fast or moderately slow, but he can never he can never eat brains because he's just so slow. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. I'm gonna write it. Poor little zombie. Poor little zombie. <laughs> I think that'll conclude the uh, Q and A session of the panel here, so we can uh, conclude with giving out uh, contact information, letting us know what sort of projects uh, both you, Travis, and Karen have uh, going on. So we'll start with you, Travis. Give us your contact information, where folks can find out more about Sinister Grin Press, and maybe uh, some of the releases that you have coming out soon. Uh, yeah, we've uh, our website www.sinistergrinpress.com. All of our contact information's on that. Our Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, Google Plus, all that good stuff. Email sinistergrinpress at gmail.com. And as far as what's on the schedule, Companions in Ruin, uh, just it's a Mark Allen Gunnels collection. It came out today. On the 19th, we've got Black Goat Motorcycle Club coming out by Jason Murphy. Next month, we've got a Mixed Bag of Blood from David Bernstein and one that I am particularly excited about, uh, Children of the Dark from Jonathan Jan. So... Going in through the rest of the year, we've got uh, three to four titles each month. Uh, we've got quite a lot of things coming out. Excellent. Sounds great. Lots of cool things forthcoming from Sinister Grin. And then, uh, Karen, give us uh, your contact information and maybe what sort of projects you've got going on for yourself as well. All right. Uh, you can always find me at my website, cwlasart.com. That's C-W-L-A-S-A-R-T. And uh, my email address, and anyone can shoot me a message if they're interested in anything, is cwlasart at hotmail.com. That does have the periods after C and W. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, you name it. You can find it on my website. 
Uh, as far as what I've got coming out, it's kind of a slow year for me. I'm up in my game, mainly just submitting to the pro market, so the rejection rate's a lot higher. But I'm very proud to have been included in Frightmares, which came out this month. It was edited by Billy Sumosman. She's kind of one of the old guard of female horror writers. It was released for Women in Horror Month, so check that out. And also for any writers out there, I'm the admin for a group on Facebook. It's called Open Call Horror Markets. We are 6,000 members strong, and basically it's just a place to go and find open markets for your fiction, you know, anything from short fiction to novels. It's a service I try to use to give back to the horror community, which has been so good to me. And what is the name of your collection again with the fuck the whole story? <laughs> Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. Okay. I'm going to go pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of have an interesting story with Ad nauseum. Wasn't it supposed to be like a story anthology or it, something? It was. It was. When, you know, I've always written, but I didn't start submitting stories anywhere until probably about 2010, 2011. And I got in right away with a newer small press at the time, Dark Moon Books. And I'd sold them a couple stories, and the call came out for an extreme horror anthology. And I submitted a story, and Stan really, really liked it. And he asked me if I could do it again. And I did. And at that point, he said, do you think you could do a whole book of them? And I said, oh, yeah, I could do this all day. And uh, he closed down the call for the anthology. He made it a one-author collection, and that's how I got my collection right away, which is really fortuitous for me because it's very hard to find a publisher for short story collections. And I nailed it within the first two years, so now I guess they expect a novel or something at some point. <laughs> <laughs> And then Travis, is a Sinister Grin releasing, is it just novel-length stuff, or do you guys do short fiction or collections or anthologies of that nature? Yeah, no, we uh, Com Companions in Ruin is a short story collection uh, from Mark Allen Gunnels. Uh, we've got uh, Seven Feet Under from uh, Matthew Weber. He was one of our Fresh Meat 2015 authors. That's a collection of seven uh, short stories and some eh, two or three of them are maybe novella, novelette length but yeah we have a uh, short story collection that we started last year and we're doing every year it's called fresh meat it's unpublished authors and uh, yeah just give you a nice little uh, taste of something new somebody that's never been published and uh, we've already got uh, 90 some odd submissions to go through for for this year but uh, just a couple yeah, no, we uh, we do collections and um, anthologies as well. Great, and it sounds like you're also giving a platform for up-and-coming uh, talent as well, which we always appreciate, absolutely, so very cool. Absolutely, In fact, we'll, we had seven authors for Fresh Meat 2015, and uh, all seven of them have novels coming out this year for us as well. So Excellent. Um, in fact, uh, Black Goat Motorcycle Club is um, one of those such stories since Jason Murphy. I love that title, Black Goat Motorcycle Club. <laughs> I do too. That's awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that officially concludes our first panel of 2016. Grim panel, Extreme Horror, uh, C.W. Lassart, Karen, uh, Travis Tarpley from Sinister Grin Press. Both of you, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to uh, uh, jump on Skype with us and uh, talk about these uh, cool, bloody, awesome things that are encompassed with Extreme Horror. Uh, we do thank you for your time and uh, wish you, Travis, and you, Karen, uh, the best with your publishing and your writing and, and thank you again for joining us thank thanks you for, for having me. me for listeners if you want to find out more about the show we are on facebook.com slash the grim tidings podcast on twitter at grim dark fiction that concludes this grim panel we've got more grim panels on the way so be sure to uh 
stay tuned to everything that we have going on. Philip, thanks again for uh, joining me today. Yes, I'm always happy to join you, Rob, anytime (laughs) you need me. Thanks again for listening, folks. We'll see you next time right here on the Grim Tidings Podcast. Until next time, stay grim, stay dark, stay true. So long. podcasting.